This is a Media 8 production. The way I actually started my business was that um, there was an opportunity to outsource some of the more digital services and they were looking at getting a third party to do this work. And at the time I had 18 month old and a four year old and they were both in childcare and it was costing me a fortune and I was driving 40 odd minutes each day to get to work. And I thought to myself, they could give that contract to me because I could easily do that work and then I could work from home and then I'd have more time with my kids. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Human. About five years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting a bubbly, intelligent, always happy woman who has a passion for business and culture at the local startup weekend that she was running, along with another friend of mine, Aaron Birkby. Since then, we've worked together at other events and in community, and also bump into each other fairly often at sporting events, even as recently at the Commonwealth Games. She started a business when she was 23 as a young mother, which she ran for three years before selling it to return to the corporate world with a new focus on IT. After moving to the Gold Coast, Queensland, she decided to work as a consultant, allowing her more flexibility to immerse herself in the startup ecosystem. Up until recently, she was the general manager overseeing community and export activities at Mantec, Mantec being a global provider of IT infrastructure management and audit software. She was named as one of the three finalists in the startup leader category of the 2014 Westpac Community Leader Awards, an annual event designed to recognise and reward individuals making extraordinary contributions to the social fabric of their communities. This amazing woman has a passion for technology, innovation and collaboration and has a keen interest in promoting and increasing female and youth participation in startups and technology. She's been an active contributor to the Queensland startup ecosystem, fulfilling roles at both Silicon Lakes, which was a not-for-profit community. This is where I actually first met her. And iLab, which is Queensland's biggest technology accelerator, before teaming up to create Startup Apprentice, which was helping young kids in schools become entrepreneurs. She's now, though, the CEO of the Gold Coast Hub, who provide education, commercialisation and investment services and support for the Gold Coast future and present business leaders, helping them to connect, commercialise and grow innovative companies. Sharon Honeybell, welcome to Awesome Humans. Thank you. What, hey. an, what an awesome intro. Do you like that? I stole yeah. that. <laughs> I steal most of them that I do. Very cool. It's weird, isn't it, hearing all this stuff about you when someone else says it, don't you think? I, I know because, you know, you do little things every day. Um because it feels like the right thing to do. And then when it you look right back down do. the track, you go, wow, I've done a lot. And that's only half <laughs> of the stuff. Like, if you think about everything that you've done, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I guess it is. Um, but, you know, I never do it on a, alone. I mean, that's part of the uh, part of the joy of, of, I guess, my existence is that through the things that I've done, I've met so many amazing people. Awesome human. There you go. Yeah. I love that. The joy of what you do and how you live. That's great. Uh, this whole purpose of this podcast is for lots of people to know who you are and know you, well, they think they know you, but I want to get the understanding of who you actually are, where it all began, how the, sto- how the story goes. So my first question with this is always, what's your first ever memory? Oh, goodness. Stumps everyone, so don't feel bad. How far back can you go? Um... I guess, like if I, I can, I think back to being, I can be quite young. Yeah. I grew up in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
My earliest memory. All right, so what I'm picturing in my head right now yeah. is walking to school with my mum on a winter's day. Um, Every day three, is winter in England. Yeah, through through snow. Um, looking like just watching my gum boots as they're walking through the snow. Um, How old do you reckon you were? Um, we called them Wellington boots in England, by the way. Wellies. And uh, yeah, that's right. And I, I think I would have been about five or six. Yeah, it's yeah. Pretty amazing when you sort of sit there and think. Actually, how far can I go back? Most people are around that four or five age. Yeah. Uh, we had one guy here that was back to two and he remembered something vividly from being two and was like, wow. Yeah. But it's um, obviously they're planted in your head for some reason, those those old memories, like walking to school with mum. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, because I loved it. So in the winter when they'd put this uh, – anyway, I loved – I loved. Um... No, tell us. <laughs> just anyway. Come on. What's the story? I was just going to say, like one of my favourite things uh, when I was little as well um, was – I loved you know when it's when you look at puddles on a busy road and there's oil has got into them and yeah. it creates rainbows. I just I just thought they were so magical. And mum, you know, mum and dad would be like, "Come on, Sharon, keep keep moving." That's good. <laughs> it's just like wow. Well, that's, that's the type of person you are, though. You see the brightness in all these dull and dreary things, like yeah. oil in water. That's that's most people would see. Oiling water, but yeah. you see the rainbow. And, that. oh, and when awesome. I picture those feet walking through the snow, it's like it's the crunch of the snow, and and the way the snow looked like like it's glittering. You know, like I I can't. It's so hard to describe like the <laughs> the moment and why it's important and why it sticks in your mind. But there's something so beautiful about it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So where in England did you grow up? I grew up in Essex. In Essex. You're in yeah, Essex a bit of a rough, girl. rough area, hey? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully my parents got me out of there by the time I was ten, so I didn't really implant too much of my So you came to Australia when you were ten? Yeah. Okay. And where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to school in well, actually the first school I went to, uh, so we moved to Victoria. Um, to uh, and lived with my uncle when we first got here to get established, and he lived in this tiny little country town um, called Elaine, which is in between Ballarat and Geelong. Oh wow! And um, it was a it was a huge um, a huge contrast from what I'd grown up in. So so when I picture London and, and Essex, I, I picture it was very it was a real con- concrete jungle. Yeah, very you much. You know, so. and uh, and I had there were hundreds of kids at our school, and there was loads of schools in the district. It was full of people. And then uh, Elaine Primary had forty children uh, from grade uh, prep up to grade six. The whole school was forty kids. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you know there was kangaroos and and koalas out the back. Um, we built cubbies in the uh, there was like in the long grass and, and, you know, it was, it was set on acres, whereas we'd had these tiny little patches of gray, um, playgrounds in, in London. So it was awesome. You can't get much more Australian though, can you? Like no. Conking into a small country town with koalas and kangaroos and probably red belly black snakes in that long grass, but you didn't see those. So that was <laughs> we right. did see some snakes <laughs> actually, <you> <laughs> like, but, I, but I was like, wow, a snake. <laughs> so was school life good, bad, ugly? Um, I was a bit of a loner, like no good, good. I would say I was, I loved learning. Um, was always creative, so enjoyed all of the um, sort of arts related subjects. Uh, loved uh, also into into maths, into um, some of the more like I I did like electronics and stuff like that. So I just I like I liked I've always liked learning. Um, and so I I wasn't particularly like I wasn't part of a really cool social circle. Yeah. I was actually, I was actually, I kind of sat on the, 
we nicknamed some of our groups at school, As everyone right? does, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I sat between two, which was the intellectuals, which is a group of really smart girls. Yeah. And the outcast, which was a group of uh, like the group of guys that I used to hang out with in art class, and I kind of I kind of hovered in between the two groups. And then the they, cool kids were over there. Yeah, I was the same. That's it. Yeah, I was I was one of those kids that got on with everyone. That's and it. I me too. That's the best way to be in school, and and that's what and that's what we teach our kids now. Like, yeah, they're cool kids, and it's quite funny you say that because they all brand the other kids at school. Yeah. It's like where did that? That's but like, you don't um you don't realize it at the time. I remember being at a, a party. A reunion, actually, of a couple of years ago, and um, and that was then that one of my friends said to me, oh, "I always admired you because you fit in with everyone." And I said to her, "I said that's so funny because I actually thought I didn't fit in anywhere." Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I just you know made the best and and tried to to sort of you know sit with it, good with everybody. But yeah, you think that's helped you in later life that you actually were that type of kid? Yeah, well, I'm happy with my own company yeah. always, and so it. Yeah, so I think it has, yeah. It's a good way to be. My wife's like that. She's very much loves just sitting on her own or reading a book and I get bored after about 30 seconds. <laughs> like the ADD kicks in. <laughs> yeah, well, I love people. I love learning from people and hearing about their stories and all that sort of stuff. But I also like to retreat at the end of the day into myself and be able to reflect on those things. And then that's probably thing. where I feel most at peace is when I'm on my own reflecting. So Excellent. Yeah. So you went to this little school of 40 kids and then what was next? Where did you go after that? Um, so then my parents bought a house in the Dandenong Ranges, mm-hmm. um, which is a lo- lovely part of Beautiful Victoria. Part of the world. Um, and, yeah, and that's where we stayed and that's where they still are. So they've been there for about 30-odd years now. Yeah. So, Yeah. Um, and it was great. And that's where you went through the rest of primary and high school? Yep. Down there? And did you go to university? Uh, I did, but I didn't finish. Uh, I went so. for a day. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, I, I went to Swinburne to study psychology. Um, but it was a it was an interesting story because I, I did a last minute um, flip. So I always thought I wanted to be a graphic designer um, throughout my, the early part of my high school years. Yep. And so when I got into year 11 and 12, I picked all these design subjects and I, um, and I, I even enrolled in a, 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 a portfolio preparation course at TAFE and I threw myself into it. And I, I remember being about six months into year 11 in doing all these art subjects and I suddenly had like my first ever creative block and I couldn't just couldn't get the ideas to flow. I started getting really frustrated and then I didn't, I stopped it. Like, so I kind of paused and stopped enjoying what I was doing and went into this real procrastination mode. And that was when I realized that creativity or art was my hobby. It's not not my career path. Yeah. So I went, I went to the careers counsellor and I said, you know, like I think I've made a big mistake. And she said, well, what else are you interested in? And I said, oh, I don't know, I mean, kind of interested in how people work. And that, so that's how I ended up going and the studying psychology. psychology. Um, but, yeah, I, only, I was only six months into that when I found out that I was pregnant with uh, my daughter, Amy. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, 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 I stepped out of that and, and became a mum. Became a mum. The toughest job in the world. Yeah. Without doubt. Um, best job in the world. It is the best job. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting, isn't it? People say, like, you fall in love and all that sort of stuff, but then you have a child and it's like, oh, my God. Oh, like, that's love. Just, yeah. It, it just blows you away <laughs> I every lo- time. I loved her the second – like, I was so young. I was still a teenager. Yeah. But 
As soon as I knew she was there, I loved her. Yeah. You know, I just knew she was meant to be. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how the human body works. And yeah. Every, I'm a true believer in everything happens for a reason. And obviously she came into your life at the right time. Oh, definitely. Which is uh, which is awesome. Um, you started a business at 23. What, what was that business? Uh, digital imaging. Okay, um, so you went back. So you went from psychology. Yeah. Had, had uh, Amy. Had Amy. And then went back to your hobby. I did. Well, no, not not quite my hobby because it was a little bit different because um, I – so what happened was um, actually – so I met up with some of my high school friends. So Amy was about six months old and I was looking at going back into the workforce and I, I saw um, a couple of my friends and one of them was uh, had always wanted to be a journalist and now she was pursuing that. And and so I thought, you know what, I, I think I need to have some, some direction on what I want to do. So I looked back to high school and I thought – well, if I don't want to be creative on demand, what can I do where I can still challenge myself and come up with sort of creative solutions, um, but where it's a little bit more contained and structured? And so I actually ended up taking a job at a company called Virtual Tours um, who made um, 360-degree, like, rotating tours of houses wow. uh, on the internet. Yeah. So I, I, went, I actually went into sort of um, front-end web development um, then that threw me into a um, a role. So quite quite quickly, actually, they decided that I actually had a better personality for dealing, or I had a good personality for dealing with customers. Um, and so they then put me into this customer relationship management role. Um, and um, and so I, I was fulfilling that role. And then the way I actually started my business um, was that um, there was an opportunity to outsource. Uh, some of the photography uh, and some of the web development, uh, some of the more digital services, um, and they were looking at getting an, a, a third party to do this work. And at the time I had a 18-month-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. Um, and they were both in childcare and it was costing me a fortune and I was driving uh, like 40-odd minutes each day to get to work. And I thought to myself, they could give that contract to me because I could easily do that work and then I could work from home and then I'd have more time with my kids. And Did you had any other business aspirations before this? Oh. No. So you well, weren't like. All I wanted to do was work from home with my kids. Yeah. And so, so starting, so it was really funny. So I went home that night when I knew that they were going to float this, this, uh, this proposal. Um, and, and I had just wrote a proposal that I thought that I knew would be financially <laughs> acceptable by them and that would work well. And they obviously already trusted me and they knew that I would deliver things. And I, so I just walked in there the next day to the um, chief financial officer. And I just said, look, before you put out uh, any ads or, or, or try and source someone to do this work, you know, would you consider me to do it? And they said, yes. And then overnight I had to register a business and, <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I had all the photographers that were working for the company now um, reporting back to me. And so I suddenly had this whole business happening. <laughs> you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. Overnight. Overnight. Yeah. What, what's, what's to say when you jump off the cliff and you build the plane on the way down, that's pretty much what you've done with the Absolutely. business. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That, that's great. And so how long do you have that business for? Um, we went for, I went for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, oh, three and a half, four years. Yeah. And this it, is all still in Victoria? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it evolved over time as well. So I started off just working from home doing editing photos and, um, then I went into, I, I was doing real estate voiceovers and then we started doing these, um, virtual floor plans where you could click on different rooms in the house and it would show you the picture. And then I'd talk about the room, you know, like, beautiful lounge room. It's got <laughs> 
plush curtains. And <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so it kind of evolved. Then, then, uh, then I actually ended up taking up some space in a, a marketplace and doing printing on t-shirts and mugs. And, and you, the entrepreneur bug bit. Yeah, and I loved it. And it was actually really lucrative until, um, and but I, but my my problem back then as a young person was that I I was just in the moment and I yeah. wasn't looking forward as to where the industry was going. So all of a sudden. The um, all of a sudden there were like digital cameras came in, and then there were kiosks in you know every uh, supermarket and office works and all that sort of stuff um, where people could print their photos. And then almost overnight, they started offering services to do personalized gifts and all that sort of stuff. And they were able to do. I, I was able to charge quite a lot because it was a, a it was a sort of boutique offering yeah, back unique. when I was doing it. Yeah. But as soon as they started doing it, they were getting them printed in China. They were, they, so the price, that it cut the bottom out of the market and it was like, okay, that's it. Time to do something new, which was when I went back into the corporate world. Okay. And what did you do then? Where where did you go in the corporate world? Uh, I worked at Dulux. Oh, did you? Yeah. What did you do for Dulux? Um, started off as customer service manager. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, got involved in a couple of projects, Project Everest, um, and I can't remember what the other one was, but, um, but yeah, ended up, uh, so moved into sort of like helping out with their, their software side of things. I specified a couple of, or I suggested a couple of changes to some of the software that was being used in the, um, in the customer service department, which kind of spearheaded me to moved on a slightly different path. It's amazing isn't hmm. it? how like you go from here to here to here. And then I, I've, I believe sort of five to seven years every, that you, your world changes. Yeah. And uh, you've obviously had a baby and yeah. then you've gone in an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah. and you've gone back to business. Then you become an entrepreneur again and then you move things around. So when did you move the Gold Coast? Uh, I moved in 2009. Yep. I followed love. Did you? It didn't work out. Uh, okay. <laughs> but you stayed. You oh, fell man, in love I, with the Gold Coast. I fell in love Coast, with the Gold Coast. That's go. what I always say. Yeah. <laughs> I followed love and we just went a different way. That's fair. That's fair <laughs> enough. Because um, it must have been around 2000 and probably 11 or 12 when we first met. Yes. Um, I think that's when Silicon Lakes was happening. Yeah. And uh, I, I interviewed Aaron Berkby on this same show and uh, we spoke about Silicon Lakes and he was um, – uh, he's always upbeat about stuff mm-hmm. and uh, just, just the way it was set up was wrong and those sort of things. And if you had yeah. sort of time over, you'd always from the right things. place. Exactly. It all it came was, from the heart. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. And so you're obviously a glutton for punishment because you're starting to do the similar sort of thing again but doing it properly this time or doing it different this time. Yeah, that's right. But so. there's a big gap between that. So I know you spent some time with Atmantic. Mm-hmm. Atmantic, sorry. Yep. Um, what did you do there? Um, came in originally to do as a contractor to do a little bit of um, marketing work. They wanted some. Uh, they were wanted. Uh, they were look, so they'd basically they have two. They have some open source products, uh, which are free products that people can download from the internet. Got some really really cool commercial modules um, that you can use to make those. Um, you know to extend out those products and make them do bigger and better things. Um, and so, um, but they were they were struggling to work out how to. Um, sell those, or, or not sell, but introduce those products to the people that were using the free products. And with the open source sort of community, you know, people are, are contributing back code and things like that. So you don't want to market to them um, 
in any sort of aggressive manner, yeah, definitely. you know, but we do want them to know that these, uh, these, you know, this other software is available and it'll make their, the products work better. And it's probably quicker than if they try and deliver something themselves. So yes, yeah, so they brought me in to just, uh, come up with some, um, gentle marketing sort of ideas, um, to convert their free users to paid users. Okay. Um, and I grew from, so I went from that to um, to sort of a general manager over the next couple of years as the company grew. Yep. Um, you know, we did end up getting more and more conversions. We grew into more countries. So uh, Mantex now uh, got a, a really a big office in uh, Mexico. It's got two offices in uh, the US. It's got an office in UK, uh, in Ireland. So. And this is a Gold Coast company. This is a Gold Coast company, That's yeah. awesome, isn't it? Yep. And uh, obviously Danny's a good bloke. Yeah, he's and, awesome. And he beat the world's best CEOs. Was that right? He did. He, he became the king of CEOs. Well, yeah, that was that. that <laughs> How was big a, was that party? That was a good year. That, yeah. was, that was the year that I. That was the year that I joined. That okay. that, that, that that happened. And um, it was all you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him that. I might have written the application. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, no, he 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 well and truly deserved that. Yeah, uh, and you know, and I th- I think. It, so what was it? What did he actually really, win? Uh, so he he won uh, the Asia Pacific Stevie Award um, for the CEO of the year. That's huge, isn't um, it? Yeah, and you know, and it's to me, I thought it it, it sort of marked a changing in um, the economy where where uh, someone that's basically bootstrapped a business from the Gold Coast uh, internationally can uh, can dominate or be seen uh, as a you know, at a higher level than so he beat out David Thody from Telstra and Alan Joyce from Qantas. That's huge. You know, we're talking about the biggest companies in Australia, and yeah. they recognise this small technology startup from the Gold Coast as having the best leadership. So it was it was wonderful, and I, I was so I was so happy for him because we the company was bootstrapped, and he put a lot into it for a number of years and hadn't had any recognition for that. So, yeah. yeah. And it's great to see an actual company from the Gold Coast go that well and obviously a company that grew up in that startup ecosystem. So it proves that um, that, that part of this part of the world is a, is a great place to do that because if you walk outside, that's why we live here. Yeah. Obviously the weather and the beaches, et cetera, but actually to know now that we can grow international companies has got to be a big thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why I'm so excited about the innovation hub and I guess where it's evolved a little from Silicon Lakes because at Silicon Lakes, we were really um, trying to go from the absolute grassroots. Have you got an idea? Do you want to do something with it level? Um, But with the innovation hub, um, we've got strong corporate backing. We've got strong government backing. And what we really want to do is help other companies that are at that growth stage uh, follow the same path that Opmantec has been on over the last few years. So we now have 140,000 people that use our software across the globe. Wow. You know, we've got offices all over all over the globe, as I yep. just mentioned. Um, and so we we want to use we want to be able to leverage the connections and the and the knowledge that that we've built Big doing that to help other companies. And so, like last week, we um, were at the Myriad Festival. Yep. And, uh, and, and we had a huge response when we did a call out for scale up companies that would like to come to Myriad Festival. And we were just blown away with the quality of some of the businesses. And, and in the time since then, cause we did that call out a few months ago, we had so many more, like, I, I can't wait to tell all these stories. Yeah. 
there. And, I, and I'm going to have to introduce you to a whole lot of these guys because there Definitely. are so many awesome humans on the Gold That's Coast. That's what we're after. It's insane. Yeah, no, that'd be yeah. great. I'd love to uh, love to have the opportunity to meet them and, and let everyone else meet them as well because, as I say, that's what we try and do on here is everyone knows them professionally or whatever, but we try and sort of get behind the scenes. Yeah. So your new role, so yeah. you've left at Upbantic? Um, probably... I still consult to Upbantic okay. um, and I have a team of um, – of, of staff that are that are delivering uh, marketing um, type uh, services still to Upmantic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm still heavily involved in what they're doing, but my primary focus at the moment is the Gold Coast Innovation Hub. And so gchub.com.au yes. is where it's at. And you're the CEO? I am, yes. Are you excited? Like I love it. That must have been like it's a dream job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the vision. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you can remember, but like back before Silicon Lake's sort of ended, um, we did this, we had this sort of uh, a, a final effort, I guess, to try and pull together some of the community yeah, to definitely. try and get an innovation hub happening, yep. uh, to get an innovation campus happening. Um, and, you know, it, I guess I think we were a little bit before our time. So it's so good to be able to come back now with the support that we needed back then and just be able to have a second crack at it. Um, so yeah, I, I feel I feel like it's it's completing a legacy that we started a long yeah. time ago, and uh, and I'm so I feel so lucky as well that so many of the community members that uh, that were part of Silicon Lakes have gone on board to support this as well. So, yeah. That's that's great. I love the fact that it's uh, like a hub and spoke network as well in yeah. the fact that it's not just one venue. There's multiple. Obviously, the studio we're in today now becomes part of the uh, GC hub. It, it does, So people yeah. can go out and, and create podcasts and tell stories. And uh, that's something we're very excited to sort of help out with and, and do from that point of view. But I like the fact that if I'm down the south end of the coast, I can go somewhere. If I'm at the north end of the coast, I can go somewhere. And like, even in the middle. It's, yeah. uh, I think that that's a really, um, really exciting place to be and so the actual facility mm-hmm. how far away are we oh so close I, I i honestly think that by the time this goes to air it'll be uh it'll it will be announcing it we're there it's done we're there. Yeah, that, like, <laughs> like literally the paperwork's about to be signed well the final paperwork's about to be signed so yeah. yes oh, yeah. and can you tell us where it is yet it's in Rabina. It's in Rabina. Yeah. That's exciting. Right in the middle of the Gold Coast. Yeah. So we were originally looking at Burley and, you know, I would have loved to have, like my original vision was to have sort of like a warehouse type conversion yep. and go super grungy. And, um, but the reality is so we're having a background in software and not in property development. It was absolutely like a, is it a bacti- baptism of fire? Is that yeah, the, definitely. The, yeah, when you suddenly word. get thrown into, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and all of a sudden I realized there was so many boxes to tick, um, to be able to actually, um, get what I, my vision off the ground. Yep. Um, and, and I want to do it re- relatively fast, you know, like we've been waiting for this on the Gold Coast for five years. Um, and so I want the right building, um, and I but I want to do it quickly. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so this this building um, we went for Rabina in the end because it's got the right zoning and infrastructure already in place. Mm-hmm. So there will be no holdups. We'll be able to get straight in there. That's got good internet access there too. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, always we got, helpful. We've got good support from Optus as well. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. So that that's a good point. So you've got a lot of corporates now that are that are helping and that are on board. Yeah. I think that's obviously really important from yes. um, from the point of view of smaller type mum and dad companies that are still progressing and potentially could become the Opmanics of the world. Mm. They know that it's not just 
a few people getting together to help you out. It's like they've got big corporates behind it and all that sort of stuff. And I think the way you've done that is amazing. So well done on that stuff. Thank you. One of the, I want to go back a little bit because one of the things that I'm really passionate about is our kids and the fact of teaching our kids how to become entrepreneurs and, and that sort of stuff. And one of the things I always say to my kids is I never want you to be employed. I'd rather you employ people. Um, I, I don't understand the education system because it's wrong mm. um, and those sort of things. And then um, a number of you probably, I don't know how many years, you, you can tell us the story, but um, Startup Apprentice. Um, when I first sat down with you and Sam about that, I just got me so excited because let's get this into every school in the country because it is so important that we teach the kids the right way to learn. And you also mentioned earlier about how you were, when, when you were at school, there was the, the, the awkward kids, if you like, and when I go and mentor at schools, I go to the awkward kids because they're the ones that are going to succeed in life. It's the cool kids are still going to be the cool kids and they live in the same spot and do exactly the same thing for the rest of their lives. But it's those awkward kids mm-hmm. that have the skills because they don't learn the same way that those kids learn. And I, I honestly believe that they're our future and that's why we want to passionately help them. So how did Startup Apprentice start and what, what was it? What is it? Yeah, so um, so Startup Apprentice uh, was born out of a startup weekend. So for any of your listeners that don't know what a startup weekend Love startup is, weekends. yeah. So so basically, you get um, and anyone can come along, any age. If you've got an idea for a business, you come on the Friday night. You've got sixty seconds to pitch your idea. Um, the top ideas get selected, and anyone whose idea doesn't get selected, you just you pick one of the other ideas that you think was good and you join them as a team. Then you spend the next 54 hours building a business and then you pitch it on the Sunday night. You know, and, and, and usually we're, we're, we think we've run we're up to 10 or 11 wow. of the startup weekends we've run on the Gold Coast. And as a general rule, you get about you end up with about 10 teams going through. One will do something amazing. A couple will, will keep going uh, and the rest of them kind of peter out. But but. They still, it still creates connections for these yep. people and it's really, really important. So anyway, back back to the Startup Apprentice story. So <laughs> second Startup Weekend we ever ran on the Gold Coast, we'd had, so the first Startup Weekend we ran, we had a crash. And so we wanted to get more women along because at that point in time, we actually get fairly good figures now, but at that point in time, we were really struggling to get any women along to any of the sort of entrepreneurship and, and technology events. Mm-hmm. So we decided to have uh, a creche available so people could bring their kids along so they could work for the weekend. There'd be somewhere there to, there to supervise their kids, um, which was great. Um, so the second startup weekend, some of those kids who'd come along and seen their, what their parents had done, got so excited that they wanted to pitch the next, at the next event. So we ended up uh, having uh, three um, children-led teams uh, that were in the top 10 that were um, going through the second startup weekend. And I remember they started from the age of eight upwards. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Taj Pabari being yeah. one of them, and he's done phenomenal yeah, things exactly. since then. So, uh, so yeah, so it was it was amazing, and and so I was an organizer, and I had my organizer shirt on. Um, one of the one of the kids had got up and he'd pitched this idea for his uh, for an app where you could you could uh, turn any pic, you could take a photo, turn it into a dot to dot drawing, uh, and then you could learn how to draw it. And so my daughter was about fourteen at the time. She was going through a really moody phase where she didn't really want to. Unlike fourteen-year-old girls, <laughs> yeah. So she was. She. I remember she was like sitting in the corner of the room. She was sulking because, like, oh, mum, you're making me come to another event that's going to go till ten o'clock at night. And she's on her phone. And you know, when when this kid got up and pitched his idea, like her her head sort of picked up and she listened to it. And then and she came over to me and she said, "Mum, can I can I join a team?" 
I really like that idea. No, get and, back in the corner. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Um, but he was struggling to get anyone else onto his team. So I, I ripped off my organizer shirt and I said, sorry, guys, I'm going to abandon you. <laughs> Put on a participant's T-shirt and I went and joined their team. And I went and grabbed one of my mates who's a programmer. I was like, come on, you're coming to work on this team. <laughs> it's a little, I, like, I kind of hijacked it was a, bit a little rigged, bit. It was but a bit anyway, rigged, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so joined the team and helped them sort of build their app. And I saw this change in my daughter. So, as I said, she was going through a really awkward phase and quite withdrawn. Um, but over the course of the weekend, she was getting so excited. She designed the logo. They did these wireframes for the app. Yeah. Uh, they were laughing together. And and then, like, the next day they went out to try and uh, get some sales like or to do customer validation. And she was going up to people in the shopping center with her clipboard to ask them these questions. And no joke, 24 hours ago, that girl would not have done it. But she was so inspired by this idea and by the whole momentum of the yeah. event that, that it just brought her out of her shell. And they, they ended up selling, uh, so they made $26. They sold $13, awesome, so 13 copies of their $2 app, yeah. resold them. Um so yeah, so it got to the end of the weekend and we was and so Aaron and Sam and I were all um sort of sitting down and doing a bit of a debrief on how did it go. I think it was on about the Tuesday morning. And um uh, we were just like, that was so awesome with these kids. And then we just kind of moved the topic to what what would what would happen if kids learnt this or were able to experience this in high school? You know, would it would it change the the social fabric of high school? Would it bring kids out of their shell? Would it would it give them a greater belief in themselves, you know? And so that that's basically what started Startup Apprentice, that that question, you know, if we did this in schools, could we change the lives of kids? And the answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the answer is it should be in every school. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. That's awesome. And you did that obviously with Sam. I did, uh, A yeah. friend of yours. Yep, she's and awesome. She's a great girl. And uh, where is it now? Is it still continuing or where's Startup Apprentice these days? So, you know, the world's changed a little bit or, or height the and the education system has changed a little, little a little. Very so, small. So, most, so there is a push from every level of government now for schools to be embracing entrepreneurship on some level, which is great. Um, so, so for the first couple of years, we did a lot of these eight-week programs in schools. We actually mapped it to the curriculum to begin with so that we could actually get in the door yep. because it was so hard for them to be able to bring in a program um, uh, within the existing curriculum. Um, but, yeah, as time's gone on, more and more schools have uh, have started implementing their own programs. So our, our focus has changed a little bit more to sort of uh, – workshops and things like that. We're still doing the Mayor's Telstra Technology Awards, which we um, helped to launch and have been partners in for the awesome. last five years. So that's just um, that's just reopened for entries in the last month. Um, and, the, and so any kids out there that have got great ideas, make sure you head over to the Telstra Technology Awards uh, website and, and put your entries in because that's a really, really great program. When's that close? Oh goodness, I don't have the date on That's me, but okay. I think it's—I'm I th- I, pretty sure it's <laughs> we can in find June. That out. So I'm it's, yeah, so I'm so I will be um, presenting a workshop with Study Gold Coast and Telstra uh, on the fourth um, uh, about ideation, and and it's a parent information session, teacher information session. Um, so you can find out more information about that from the Study Gold Coast website as well. So Excellent. Yeah. So I actually think you guys made a big difference in this. And um, in the thing is you actually made a difference curriculum Australian-wide because people have seen these things. And, oh, we should do this or we need to do that. And that must be something that you're really proud of. 
Yeah, yeah, we 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 feel like we yeah we definitely feel that we fulfilled our our mission. It was a conversation that Sam and I were actually having only a couple of days ago because our original uh, big big uh, statement was that we wanted to in- inspire a million minds to think differently about their working life. And it's nice to think, you know, we might not have actually reached the million. I, I think, think we reached did. just over a thousand. But but it, but if it, that's gone. it, if there was a butterfly effect, you know, it, it's nice to think that we may have had some little little. Um, contribution towards, uh, you know, that number of kids potentially. Well, I believe you definitely have because, like, it's the whole pay it forward principle is these people seen this and then paid that forward and mm. showed someone else, etc. What's your greatest achievement? Um, raising two beautiful children. Yeah? Is yeah. that an achievement? Oh. Uh, you think? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, man, like, so, so, yeah, so I've got, so Amy's now 19 and, uh, yeah, I mean, like I definitely breathed a big sigh of relief when she got to age eighteen, and I she parented. was a wonder. <laughs> yeah, she was. I was like, yeah, you know, I felt like I I'd made, made every mistake oh, yeah, in the book, definitely. But here is the most amazing. Like, so both of my kids, I don't know. Every day when I spend time with them, I just think I've created two people that I wouldn't like. There's no one in the world I'd rather spend time with. They're yeah. just so. They're so smart. They've got every good part of me and their and their dad like rolled in yeah. to them. You know, like I just they're just so yeah, definitely they're it's my proudest. Your greatest achievement. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. It's amazing that um how once again these little people they're not little anymore, yeah. but how they make you feel on a daily basis. It's, yeah, and I feel like with greater achievement, like there's lots of good things that I've done. I'm a bit of a a, a, a hefty self-critics. So just about everything that I do, I go, well, I could have done it better. Yeah, it's quite funny reading the introduction <laughs> at the start, just watching your face and they go, oh, oh, oh actually, like, and, and you've got to give yourself credit because yeah. you've, you've done some amazing things. Yeah, but, you know, the kids are walking, talking proof that I that, that, that I did that thing well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think you've done a great job. Yeah. Um, some quick fire question. Favourite food? Prawns. Oh, I love prawns. Mm. Or de- scallops. Do you devein the prawns? Don't- Scallops done really well as well. Um, um, no, I like a. I just like like garlic prawns. Oh, nice, mm. very nice. Favorite song? Oh, don't stop me now. A bit of Queen. Love it. Yeah. There's a new um, Queen bio. I don't think it's a biography. Something like that coming out shortly called Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's uh, the story of Queen. Oh, I love a chance to go. sing along. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite place in the world? Gold Coast. Oh, there you go. Yeah. What's next for Sharon? Um, I'm turning 40 this year. Congratulations. So, uh, so on a business front, obviously, we're going to launch the central workspace. Yep. Uh, there's also uh, a whole lot of other stuff under under um, that, that we're working on. So there, there are so many announcements that are going to come out around the Innovation Hub in the next six months. It's going Is there to any be. any we can break the news on here? Because this will go in about three or four weeks. I know. Um, no? no, not yet. Oh, no. oh my God. I was going to try and so get just that stay, here. Just stay tuned. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so there's loads of stuff happening with the Innovation innovation Hub. I'm, you know, I'd, I, we've got programs that we're going to be launching. Um, I've, you know, we'll be bringing more people into the team. And, uh, and yeah, and then and then I turn 40 mid-year and so What's What's hoping, the plan for the 40th? I really want to, I want to, I've always wanted to go. To, so, actually, so next year I will still be 40. But yeah, my daughter course. turns 21 oh. and my son turns 18. Wow, and so we've got this year. like four-week gap where we're all <laughs> on these landmark years. Yeah. So 
we're going to do a big tour of Europe. Oh, nice. For those four weeks. Um, but in the interim, just I the thought, three of I, you? yeah, just the three of us, like awesome. a fa- family trip just to celebrate that we all sort of hit these landmark years. Um, but this year, so for my 40th, I thought I might just do a little sample because I've never really gone to Europe apart from going back to the UK or going for work things. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm sort of playing around with the idea of either a Greek island cruise or a nice. bicycle tour of Provence because I've always loved Van Gogh. That was where all the nice. lavender fields and things are. So, um, so I just, you know, it just depends on whether I want to kick back with, you know, wine and put my feet up and go on a cruise a good thing. Yeah. or whether I want to, you know, knuckle down and pedal through some beautiful scenery. So the wine sounds good. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I can cruise here, but can I, can I recapture Van Gogh's, you know, the, the, the beauty that he saw. I know I, I kind of, I'm kind of swaying more towards the bicycle tour. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And at 40, why not? Yeah, why not? That's it. While I can 20s, still, while I can still pad- pedal bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming to see me. I really appreciate it. And as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks you for everything you do for other people. And you need to look after yourself. You're 40 now. I, I know. Oh, no, you're not yet. So that's okay. No, that's right. I've got a couple of months with of yet. <laughs> thanks, Shaz. Great to see you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate Podcasts.